It's episode 30 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me today is both Ryan Top and J.P. Breen. J.P., you're able to uh, shovel all the water out of your basement? How'd you do it? Uh, through a multi-pump situation. Okay. We had uh, two pumps and hoses heading out, and then finally the river has gone down enough that like our drain is not backing up into our basement anymore so now water is going down the drain which is positive okay so it wasn't Uh, it wasn't bucket by bucket no we tried that the first night and uh we lost (laughs) we lost that game um but no now the other thing is that they've done a bunch of uh tests on all the water that has been uh both in the river and so because it was in the river it was in our basements and the e coli levels are like crazy high so they were like, by the way, if you have anything down there, it probably has E. coli on it. So make sure you're using gloves and don't like just go handle a bunch of shit in the basement and then go eat because that'd be bad. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the way it goes when anybody gets a flood. So, uh, yeah, all that stuff's going to be trash. But hopefully, hopefully things are looking better from here on out for you. Look, I'm just I'm just glad that I don't think we're supposed to get rain for a few days. It's kind of sunny out and... Hell, the furnace didn't need to actually be replaced. We just got it uh, fixed, so that saved a couple thousand bucks that I didn't have. So that was nice. <laughs> there you go. Um, so on, uh, I guess, some better news, we're going to talk about uh, the offense today. We're going to talk about position players. That is what's on the agenda that you wrote. That is primarily what we're going to talk about yes. later on. Yes. Yes, it's what... <laughs> this is a preview, Ryan. Thanks. <laughs> Way to catch on. So uh, anyways, uh, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Our ball and glove patrons receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, and that'll come out middle of the week. Yes. Yeah. Like we're Monday? recording Monday. So, okay. Get your questions in. Yeah. Get your questions in. We'll put something up on the Patreon page so yep. people can get that in. Uh, Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by carbon Four brewery. We have a new sponsor. Are you excited? I'm drinking a carbon Four as we speak. I'm going to take a sip right now. There we go. From dragon flute to block party to fantasy factory IPA K four specializes in English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. And coming this Friday, March 9th is the release of double fantasy factory IPA double the pleasure, double the fun, double it with double fantasy factory. Ryan, you got to be pumped for that because you're yeah, an IPA I guy. I love Fantasy Factory. So they're doubling it? Yeah. I, I, I like that. Now remember that's that. That's how that works, right? It's, they, it's they the way it's brewed. It. It's not like two bottles. Oh, well, that's disappointing. But I, I still am looking forward to it. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you'll you'll still go up and go out and uh, pick it up for yourself. Oh, for sure. Okay. Uh, seriously, they jacked up both the hooch and double the amount of hops used for the original Fantasy Factory. Look for it at the Carbon 4 Tap Room on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's East Side or check out Carbon4.com. Carbon 4, beer brilliance. Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and MixPre 6. For more information, visit SoundDevices.com. Okay, so... We're underway with uh, uh, games and stuff for spring training. So we're kind of getting an idea who's getting some playing time. And 
I'm thinking maybe we can start doing a preview. What do you think? That we can figure out who's going to make this team? Sure. We're feeling, we're feeling confident about it, right? Yes. Look, we okay. got baseball games happening. Yeah, we, we can talk Kessin, about we got we got Kesson Hira hitting doubles off Otani. We're all it, I'm about it. Are you ready for Hira to make the squad? Look, I as far as I know, he's the only person who's gotten a double off of Otani all year. <laughs> I, how many games has Otani pitched? Two? I don't even know if I by the way, I don't even know if that's true. Oh, okay. I think like I think like two starts and maybe four innings. I okay. know he's the only one who got a double when the Brewers faced him. I have no idea if like anybody else has done anything productive against him otherwise well i assume that otani hasn't given up many hits because he's like this godlike figure anybody else i don't think he has he's pitched at least one other game because he pitched that like the second day of spring training well, games he's, against i the think brewers. he's pitched twice against the brewers thus far he has yes yeah well yeah. they only play like five teams well no there's 15 teams in the uh, cactus league now well it certainly feels like they just cycle through the same teams over yeah and over. well we, they, that was our b game that one day too it was like the second game he wasn't in the main game they had him they were hiding him they don't want people to know about their secret weapon hero or otani otani oh no no we're not hiding hero otani otani is getting the we're not exposing him to big league hitters as much treatment i think sure yeah yeah what was it he pitched the B game. So he yeah, was they like, put him on like the, the yeah. backfield. Yeah. It was just like a dirt field surrounded by kind of a chain link <laughs> fence. I think that's what they play on. I think that's, yes. Those are what backfields look like in 2018 in Major League Baseball, Steve. It, it had just like an old. Uh, it's uh, it's basically like the sandlot. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, that's essentially what it is. They just is. had those like tin signs out in the outfield yeah. for the, the fence. <laughs> and there's a dog that catches fly balls. Well, hey, let's not go crazy here. That's just that's just ridiculous. So, uh, anyways, like I said, uh, we'll talk about the offense a little bit today. Um, we'll go around the diamond, talk about everybody who's uh, likely to make the team. Um, but we'll start out behind the plate. Uh, currently, we have je- uh, competition between Jet Bandy, Manny Pena, Stephen Vote, and Jacob Nottingham. They're all the guys that are in camp. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Manny Pena is the one guy who we know is entrenched. Yeah, and he had a little bit of a ding where he, uh, I think, had a. Some sort of leg issue, and they said, "Well, he would have he would have played right through it if it was regular season." But they feel no need to push anybody through anything during spring training, which is smart. So he didn't. He missed yesterday's game, was it? I think he missed Saturday's game with it, but would be fine otherwise. Um, the bigger question is: Stephen Vote is now projecting to miss a decent amount of time. Yes. Yeah, JP, do you have the amount of time that vote's going to miss? It's at least going to be a couple weeks. Yeah, I I don't know specifically, uh, just because I've been out of the loop a little bit. But um, as far as I know, I don't even, I'm not sure he's actually in a throwing program quite yet. No, yeah, they had to completely shut him down. Yeah, so I think it's, I think conservatively, it'd be a couple of weeks. I think if anything, he'll probably see some plate appearances before he actually sees game time. Yeah. Um, I mean, do we think Vote is the guy that was before this injury? He was the one that they were, he was going to make the team as the second catcher. He seemed to have I kind saw, of an inside track. I Sorry. think that. I think, and I think that that's been the case because I think Stearns really likes the idea of being able to platoon him. Yeah. What What's the chance that maybe uh, what is it? Ten days? The last ten days or ten days from opening day they can put guys on the DL? I think that's I'm when not, it becomes available to Yeah, them, it, there is, like, within that last week of spring training, at least, they can put guys on the DL. What are the chances that maybe they put vote on the DL just to give them some time? 
before the season starts or as the season starts. Well, accordingly, according to Hodricourt, he is saying both vote and uh, and council are saying that they think he's going to be ready for opening day. Okay. So that's their current. That was just a few hours ago now before today's game started. So we'll see. So I think that's what they're shooting for. But yeah, I mean, with the 10 day DL now, if you can put them on a little bit ahead of time to stretch that time period out to so that you can bring them off the DL maybe a few days into the season. Maybe that's what they do. But Well, I think one of the bigger concerns, well, I guess I have two concerns about vote more generally. Number one, if you're going to put him on the DL, likely that means you have Jet Bandy making making the team, which is not necessarily an issue per se, but that's rough for him because he doesn't have any options remaining. And so that's a really tough situation for Jet Bandy to know that he'd basically make the team for 10 days maximum before basically being DFA'd. Um, and, and I understand that that's not necessarily the Brewers' responsibility, but I'd like to see Jet Bandy actually be able to go and try to nab a job somewhere else instead of having to wait until uh, 10 days after, because I don't think that Jet Bandy makes the squad, um, I guess I would say. But the other thing about vote is that if he's injured to the point that he's not throwing and the biggest concerns about him in general are his defensive abilities and his ability to throw the baseball, that's not great. And if I mean, are there was some talk that maybe the Brewers were looking at upgrading the the catching position more generally, um, I don't necessarily know how advanced that was, but it's something that we've been seeing again and again throughout Stern's tenure that that he wants to acquire catchers. Um, every, I mean, even back to the Luke Croy trade when they were going for Mejia, and obviously Mejia is a top probably hundred asset in baseball more generally, much less you know one of the top prospects. That I um, hope so. Right, but then they went for Susak. They obviously went for Nottingham. They went for all of these players in general, in which it was pretty clear, and Jet Bandy in in particular, that they were targeting catchers. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprising if that the if the Brewers were trying to target somebody else. But I'm not a hundred percent sure that vote's actually going to be all that valuable this year. I guess is my more general concern about the, you know, the 2018 season, because he has obvious flaws. He didn't actually hit the ball that well after coming out, you know, what was it? Two or three weeks where he did really well when he first came over. Um, so I'm not totally sold on vote, but I also don't think that Jet Bandy makes, makes the team if votes somewhat healthy. Yeah. I mean, you know, generally we think of backup catchers or the second catcher as being a defense first guy. And that's kind of traditional, yeah. Traditional. That's not vote. That's No, that's the furthest thing. And we've generally seen them kind of shy away from that. That's why when they had uh, Martin Maldonado as the backup for Lucroy for a considerable number of years there, that was much more traditional, much more in line with like the general thinking because Maldonado, if anything, was an even better defensive catcher than Lucroy. just didn't have the offensive upside that Lucroy had. So they probably really could stand to pick up a an upgrade at catcher but i also think that that's a situation that i don't know 80 percent of of mlb teams are in yeah everybody's always looking for a catcher if you can get one that's good defensively you're happy 
Right. If you can get one guy that, that offers, you know, a, a, yeah, playable defensively, playable to good defensively with some ability to hit, that's about as much as you can realistically ask for, especially the Brewers being in this position that they're in where they're a little bit better maybe earlier than they were expecting to. They would have hoped that, you know, some players would have come along and developed, but they didn't necessarily have time to build up all the depth that you would hope for in that situation where, you know, in an ideal world, Jacob Nottingham would be knocking on the door and ready to be coming into MLB at this point because the Brewers acquired him, you know, two off seasons ago and he was, you know, headed to double A at that point. So you would hope in two years that kind of guy would be headed there, but he was also very young and it's not necessarily fair to expect guys to develop like that so yeah catchers don't just keep going level to level level from season to season like you would expect no. a lot of position players to no it just takes time especially when they're you know hitting double a at 20 that's a you know that's a really tall ask for any defensive catcher or for any catcher let alone one with defensive issues like nottingham had which has been a big focus of his since coming over to the brewers so they they probably will be on the lookout um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to grab a, a guy who maybe became available at the uh, at the cutdown time. Like we were talking about, you know, them potentially releasing Jet Bandy. It might be that somebody else who offers a little bit more upside is available. Hopefully, well, if they release Bandy, somebody's going to pick him up. Is that what we believe? That somebody will snap him up right away, JP? I would imagine so, just because of his ability defensively. The questions that I would have about Bandy are whether or not he actually receives the ball as well as kind of the scouting reports suggested. I actually wasn't. I expected a lot, actually, in his ability to, to receive and his ability to frame. Um, I think the arm came as advertised, but I think there are some pretty big questions about the bat. I, I don't know if he would be claimed, actually. Well, um, when we talk about claimed, he would end up in professional baseball somewhere. It's a question sure, but of I mean, could the Brewers, whether or not he'd be at the big league level. But would the Brewers be able to DFA him, but, you know, send him back down to the minors? That's, yeah, I think JP's right. That's, yeah. I mean, because if nobody claims him, they have the ability to just sign him and put him in AAA. Right, yes. And, so, if, you're actually, and if you're Jet Bandy, actually, that's not a bad situation because then you get to go hit in Colorado Springs. Well, and also right. you're sitting behind Stephen Vogt, who is... Not young and not really the healthiest either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. Whoever the third catcher is for the Brewers is going to get time up in the majors this year. Boy, I would think a fourth guy. There's a decent chance we could potentially see a fourth guy the way that, you know, there's all these question marks around the backup position. So and we haven't seen Manny Pena go through like a full starter workload of a season yet. Because he split time quite a bit last year, especially early on. He was splitting time, and he did miss some time with injury as well. So there's that question as well. I mean, we're, we're going to see a lot of different people at catcher, I would imagine. Yeah. So Manny Pena, though, is pretty much a starting catcher for the Brewers. Um, even if it's a bit of a platoon split, like a vote's getting time behind the plate, Manny Pena's going to see the majority of the time. What are we expecting from Pena this season, J.P.? It's a shot in the dark. I mean, in some ways, I expect him to regress offensively. Um, I don't have his actual statistics from last year pulled up at the moment, but the 
the fact that Pena broke out in the way that he did says so much about catchers more generally and that they are, you know, we talked about their uneven development, how difficult it is to, to actually project catchers. Um, and that's why the Brewers were trying to acquire so many of them, right? Because you can have, you can have guys like Pena, uh, and, and, and Pena was one of the, the best stories of the year last year, but I, I don't necessarily know if he is somebody that's going to offer anything more than like what Martin Maldonado did in 2016, um, which is not necessarily what you want to have offensively over the long, over the long haul. I do think that if he's good enough defensively, and I think that he probably is, that's actually not, that's not a bad situation for, for the Brewers because the rest of their lineup actually looks pretty good i was going to say as we as we go along here it's going to be kind of obvious that manny pena doesn't need to be uh, the kind of guy that hits at the top of the lineup and carries the lineup in no any way. he doesn't need to be what he was last year to still be a valuable member of the team yeah as he, long as defensively warrant, he warrants being a starter and that i think is pretty solid i think that's a i'm less concerned about that than i'm about the offense staying where it was so well the and the biggest thing about pena and his defensive abilities is the fact that the starting rotation and the bullpen have question marks. And so in order to make your, your pitching staff as good as possible, you needed to address defensive shortcomings, which the Brewers obviously did with Lorenzo Cain and Yelich. And now their offense, their, their outfield looks far better than it did before uh, defensively. But you also need to be able to have a catcher who can uh, frame well, can save, uh, save runs, whether it's, you know, being able to block balls or whether it's be able to control the running game, you need to be able to do those things on the margins. If you're not actually going to be able to go and acquire another starting pitcher for, per se. Um, and obviously, you know, there are still the same names out there and there are still the same offensive. Uh, I don't want like, they still have too many outfielders for how many plate appearances are available. So there's still the same question marks that we've got on that. And so, but it's becoming less and less likely every single, you know, every single day, really, that they actually acquire another starting pitcher. And so the question marks then become: How do you actually, how do you maximize the talent that you have? And having a really quality defensive catcher or a pair of quality defensive catchers is one of the ways that I think you could probably do that. Any chance they go for JT Realmuto? Because that's still been a topic of discussion. He wants off the Marlins, like everybody else does. What do you, I what would they even offer? I mean, that would yeah, it would the Marlins would have to be willing to accept sort of a grab bag, I would guess. Right, and they right. seem not they're willing not to do to, that. Yeah, no. And Yelich is Yelich showed exactly what they're like. They are now that they actually got rid of the money they wanted to get rid of. They're actually willing to price their assets accordingly. They're not they're not going to take less than they need to. Right. Yeah, because they're not actually – well, it comes okay. down to how badly does he actually want to get off the team. But, yes, you're right. Okay, that's Continue fine. We don't on. want to spend too much time sure. trying to come up with uh, trade options for guys who aren't currently here because we're talking about the guys who are on the team going into the season. So uh, we're going to keep it moving. Um, and part of breaking up the logjam in the outfield is going to be addressed probably at first base because Ryan Braun has started to get a few innings, I guess. Yeah, and, and a first baseman's mitt that apparently isn't broken in yet. 
Yeah, the the, mitt, the first baseman's Ryan Braun's first baseman mitt is not broken in, so he was using an outfielder's glove at first at yeah. first base the other day. So very like softball style, just grab a glove and go out there. So <laughs> I'm hoping he got the right foot on the bag. I could see him like getting all crossed up because I don't think it was that game wasn't televised either. Uh, it, it would not surprise me if that was intentional. <laughs> like. You know, soft sell that a little bit, you know. Okay, so anyways, the further we get into spring training, the less likely it is that they're going to swing a deal. Maybe they could swing a deal, you know, and move Santana somewhere. But it doesn't seem likely at this point. So I think you're going in trying to find at-bats for guys and moving Ryan Braun to first base is going to be probably one of the ways to do it. You would think, yes. Okay, so we have... So it looks like first base right now, it's going to be Ryan Braun combined with... Eric Thames and then Jesus Aguilar is looking. I, I think for we're, a reverse, role. we're reversing the order on those though. Thames is Thames I'm, is the primary first baseman. Getting I'm just time reading off. down. I'm just yes. reading down names. That yeah. was not to denote playing time. Sure, it was alphabetical. It was alphabetical. <laughs> no, because so. Aguilar was last. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just ignore that part. So, um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, if Ryan Braun takes to first base, how are we feeling about first base if it's a, in a Ryan Braun, Eric Thames platoon? I think it has a tremendous amount of upside if Braun can be the uh, defender that they need him to be over there, and which we still don't know. We really What's the defender they need him to be over there? Uh, competent. Okay, so better than Prince Fielder because they spent a lot of years with – a lack of competence over Yeah, there. and the question is, last time we saw Ryan Braun as a regular infielder, he was literally the worst fielder in baseball, well, modern baseball history at any position at third base in 2007. So third base and first base are very different. I was going to say, JP, does that mean anything? Because it seems to me that there's two different skill sets playing first base versus playing third base. Yeah, the one thing that concerns me is that his larger issues at third base were always his footwork. Right. And at first base, he's got a lot of issues in terms of making sure his feet are right, whether it's in terms of holding people on the base, whether it's in terms of being able to clear the runner so you can throw to second, whether or not it's you can set your feet right so you can actually... You know, there are just a lot of subtleties, and he's already made an error, uh, believe at least one at first base. Um, but... They actually had a tweet that came out in which he they were celebrating the fact that he was able to take a snap throw to first base from the catcher and be able to tag somebody out. So, like, he is getting reps at the things that he would have to do in, in real game situations. But I think it's – I would be shocked if he was not going to make pretty rudimentary errors right away, um, even in even in April. Um, because oh sure yeah i mean i don't uh, i think we all have to accept that fact i mean the guys had no time over at first base at all i know that but if if we know anything about about fans watching games defensive mistakes that look bad will brand you as a terrible defender hey he won rookie of the year looking about as bad as you could ever look defensively that's, so that's because people who were voting didn't know anything like just like well you hit well and they're like well he maybe wasn't that great with the glove and they go yeah but we don't even know how to quantify that so well, ch- remember, chicks dig the long ball remember so. how, who he beat out for that rookie of the year too Tula it's Tulo, right yeah it was yeah. Tulo, <laughs> who was something of an exceptional fielder as well as being a great hitter 
at that point before he, all the injuries caught up with him. So, I mean, are you saying that Ryan <laughs> Braun not only stole his MVP, but he stole his rookie of the year as well? <laughs> we had talked about that MVP, really. I, I have my opinions, but let's talk about uh, Jesus Aguilar. Okay. Yeah. Aguilar <laughs> is going to, well, but right now Aguilar is the odd man out. And I think everybody kind of liked the, the platoon between Thames and Aguilar as it developed last season. I, yeah, I thought it was productive and it gave them, it gave them the opportunity. Now I wouldn't have had Thames playing in the outfield really much at all, but it gave them the opportunity to get a big right-handed bat in against lefties that was very useful to them offensively. I'm not sure. So this is sort of a bad timing thing because ideally, in an ideal world, you would give Ryan Braun more time to learn first base sort of in a non-pressure situation. If you could somehow figure a way to swing it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to try to keep Aguilar around for the first half of this season and have him platoon with uh, with Thames effectively and Braun only getting time in, you know, it, it, before games and in blowouts, you know, to to get broken in at first base, that would be ideal. It's not hey, ideal. How do guys get time? You know, you always hear when guys transition to the outfield, it's like, oh, he's out there taking, you know, fly balls. Somebody's got a fungo hitting him, you know, fly balls. Sure. You never hear that with first base. What do they do for first? Well, they basically, well. Is it just, hey, go stand there and just catch this? Well, I was going to say, you do actually take, like, routine grounders and all of that because I know. You, I'm just well, saying it's such an odd Braun, transition that Braun actually has been switching over to second a bunch to take some grounders there too <laughs> if Adam McCalvey's listening uh I hope your head didn't just explode but he has well that's you might as well point. I mean if you're taking ground balls does it really matter where you're taking ground balls look that's what I'm saying right like Carla Carlos Gomez always was like I'm taking grounders at short let's go like I'm I'm about that yeah, I mean, so the thing is, um, because of the roster crunch that they have, they probably don't have an ideal, artful way out of this. Now, we're talking about this. We have to remember, Braun's on the short side of this platoon as far as the time he'd have to get at first base. And Thames, Thames would be the primary guy. He's a left-handed batter. And Thames Absolutely. could be used in late innings as a defensive replacement. They could shuffle things around on a fairly frequent basis. If they need, you know, they're protecting a close leader or whatever, and they want to get a better defender in there, they could also bring Thames back. What? It is funny how every situation I think we come up with, Ryan Braun is out of the game late in the game because there's a better defensive replacement. Well, not necessarily. He can go to the outfield. Anyway, I was, he but, would, but before, when he was an outfielder, outfield. we had a bunch of guys. If if they had traded Santana and Braun was playing right field, it was, hey, let's bring in Brett Phillips to be the defensive replacement late. Right. That, well, but that's only if you're actually going to be carrying five outfielders. Yes. Right. Because if the fourth outfielder is Domingo Santana, you're not having a defensive no. replacement at Domingo Santana over. No, I'm just saying it's funny how Ryan Braun, who had been the best hitter for the Brewers for a decade, is now the guy that late in the game wouldn't get at bats because we're like, we well, got to no, get a like I'm, replacement. Like I'm him. saying, he would probably go to the outfield. No, I get that. So anyways. I, the, the bigger discussion about this is what do you do with Jesus Aguilar? And there was so much consternation over Eric Thames in the second half of last year that I don't necessarily know how many people realize that Jesus Aguilar was actually quite bad in the second half last year. Yeah, I mean, he, he fell off he a hit, lot. I mean, he hit 220, 289, 431. That's a like a seven, what, 720 OPS over the entire second half. 
But to and hit that low and hit uh, to slug 431, he was hitting with power. So it only takes a couple hits for people to go, oh, the guy's hitting well. Right. Absolutely. But when it's the exact same. What are the biggest criticisms about Eric Thames? He struck out too much and he wasn't able to hit for average. And not only did Aguilar have a higher strikeout rate than Eric Thames, but he also wasn't hitting for as much power and his average was it wasn't any good either. So your so, issue I mean, is that Aguilar is his value's a bit inflated right now. I think that people are I actually like Jesus Aguilar quite a bit. I I think that he struggles because he doesn't necessarily get regular playing time and that's very difficult to handle. Um but I think if you're looking at what you want somebody to do on the short side of a platoon at first base, I don't necessarily think that Jesus Aguilar is I think I would I would like to see him actually get a chance to play. Um, I don't necessarily know how much you can expect Jesus Aguilar to do over 200 plate appearances for the Brewers and not offer anything productive defensively. Right. And he's not going to get anywhere near full-time at-bats. No. In this situation. Because unlike unlike Braun, who's going to play in the outfield, Aguilar has nowhere else to go. I think they're hoping that somebody comes up with a need for a right-handed first baseman late in camp and offers them something marginal for him and they can cash him in. I think that's probably the, don't you think everybody's waiting for like roster cuts and to see what decisions are made? Like, and why would you go and get Jesus Aguilar when you can go get Adam Lind for free? Well, they're, they're offering him minor league deals right now. And Adam Lind is more, way more of a seasoned MLB hitter than Jesus Aguilar is. Depends on what you're looking for. Again, if you're looking for a right-hander, that's so so what you're finding like this entire niche thing where maybe one team possibly you're needs hoping. a right-handed platoon first base. Yeah, you're okay. hoping. I think that's, that's the that's that's a, this is very close to your hope about uh, picking up Matt Garza's option and then trading him. Oh, but I mean, <laughs> I'm not expecting that to happen. I think that's why he. I mean, there's no value to them cutting him right now and letting him go. They might as well see if you know a long shot comes in. Yeah, if, Absolutely. If there's an injury or something that creates a need for somebody like Aguilar, that I think that's what they're... I don't think there's anybody that's going to have an injury need for Jesus Aguilar. Because like you said, there's other options out there. Like, why would you trade for Aguilar? Well, if yes. If if something happens where there, there are needs that are created out there, if somebody looks and says, hey, we could really use this, I think that's the hope. I don't, I'm not saying it's likely to happen. I'm just saying I think that's... And what else would they do? They would cut him. So, like, there's no. no I don't think anybody's saying cut him now because there might not be anything to do with him in a month. Right. So, I think that that's the the most likely outcome. I think we're agreed is Jesus Aguilar Aguilar is not going to make the final cut. And he's going to, you know, maybe he goes to Colorado Springs. Maybe he looks at the situation and says that, you know, being with the Brewers is a good spot to be in. And he opts to do that. But probably not if he can get major league at bats someplace else. Okay, so we're looking at Ryan Braun and Eric Thames being the first base platoon running through this season. So if you thought that was complicated, wait till we move over to second base. I don't know. That's fine. I was going to say, and also uh, Mark Reynolds is out there and hasn't even signed a deal yet. There you go. There you go. Right handed. If you're looking for a right-handed first baseman, Mark Reynolds is probably going to get the call over somebody trading for Jesus. You would think, yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, moving to second base, we have Eric Sogard, Jonathan VR, and I guess Hernan Perez. Super utility, and it, it seems depending on the broadcast you're listening to, the super can be emphasized even more. So, yeah. 
Because I tell you, some people just love Hernan well, Perez. You'd be, you put more of a fine point on it than that. Rock loves Hernan Perez. Oh, no, but well, I'm talking about, I was listening to the Arizona, Ari, we had the Arizona broadcast the other day. They had it on Fox Sports, but we only got the Arizona feed. Oh, got it, got it, got and it. And okay. Brenly was just like, oh, wow. I thought he was going to run down there and give him a big hug, like, right in the middle of the game, <laughs> because he was so just enthused. Per, and then Perez got a hit. Oh, and it just, oh. So that, that, that set it Brenly, off. Brenly was, was in orbit at that point? Then it turned into, like, a multi-inning thing, where, oh. like, Hernan Perez was the story of the game. Now, I do feel bad for these guys doing spring training games because there isn't much to talk about. Yeah. So you're going to, and you can't, and you can't do what Euchre does where he goes, yep, there are a bunch of changes. I don't know any of them. So just keep the hell with it. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He pulls that major league. Who the hell are these guys? Thing. Yeah. (laughs) Christ, I can't fight it. (laughs) No, he literally did that a couple days ago where he's just like, there are a bunch of changes. I don't know who any of them are. Good luck to you if you're if you're like scoring at home and just like kept going. Yeah, I remember one time during a spring training game, he was like, "And if you're scoring at home, why? <laughs> like, why would you do that? It's good practice. <laughs> like, here's every possible situation to screw up your scorebook. So take take the absolutely. opportunity. Get, use spring training to get in major league form for scoring at home. There you go. That way you can use a pen when you're doing major league scoring. Yeah, dude, if you use a pen to do uh, scoring of a spring training game and you want it to be accurate, you are a riverboat gambler. There you go. You're a riverboat Ron. Okay, so anyways, we got Sogard, we got Viara, we got we have Perez. They're all possible second baseman. And I know some people still want Neil Walker. I don't think that's going to be a possibility at this well, point. Well, did you, yeah, did you hear he was, uh, teams were trying to Offered get him a minor, minor league deal? deal. Yeah. <laughs> seemed to make some people angry. <laughs> well, you know, what are you going to hate? Sometimes you go in with a low ball offer. Oh, yeah, didn't, you're yeah. one of the people that made angry. <laughs> well, I don't know if I got angry, angry for Walker. Like, I don't or know just... if I got mad online about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, uh, so anyways, we have Sogard, we have VR, we have Perez that are possibly all splitting time at second base. Yeah. Do we have a likely starting second baseman? God, I hope it's VR. JP, are you kind of in the same boat? I mean, I think right now the idea is if they're not going to do anything, it's probably some kind of platoon. But I think they're going to try to give uh, Jonathan VR every chance to show that he can be the starting second baseman again with Eric Sogard as the defensive specialist behind him. I mean, it's kind of go to hell. Are they going to just ride with VR possibly at least for like April, April, May, a couple months to see if he can be a guy by himself? Yeah, I mean, I think that. There are no good reasons why he could be so good in 2016 and he was so bad in 2017. Like, you is whatever you think about 2016 and whether or not it was a fluke, there were still physical abilities that allowed him to do a lot of things that eroded in 2017. So the only reason to me that you could say the 2017 VR is much more likely to be with the Brewers in 2018 than the 2016 version is just recency bias. So I think that what the team is trying to say is... Which one is it? Is is the physical ability that was able to manifest itself in 2016? Is it still present? Can it show up again in 2018? And I think that they're not only going to use spring training to give them a forum to do that, but I think they'll at least give them two, three weeks before they start playing with. I still think Sogard will probably get uh, Sogard will get some some time against tough righties, but um, Jonathan VR. I mean, he's a switch hitter. And he was so bad against lefties last year, but in 2016 he was really good against lefties. Um, 
So the, it's the a weird, upside it's a tough situation. The upside for VR is still enticing. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. what twenty seven this yeah twenty seven this season. Okay, and he hit two eighty four, three thirty nine, four fourteen in Houston when he was twenty four before he came to yep. Milwaukee, where he hit two eighty five, three sixty nine, four fifty seven. So, I, I mean, not that you want to say he's automatically going to revert to any of those numbers, but you could see 2015, even though those were some limited at-bats. Limited at yeah. He didn't quite have the power, and he wasn't quite the on-base guy, but he showed more patience than he did last year in 2017. Sure. Um, I I wonder, and yeah, just a thought, like if they could perhaps try to, like JP was saying, keep him away from some of the tougher right-handed pitchers early on to see if they can boost him up. I know there was some talk of him kind of getting into a spiral last year where he was trying to hit his way out of his slump constantly and really pushing and pressing and maybe getting a little, you know, too far down um, on himself that way. I know that it's a thing that's been speculated anyway. Maybe they try to boost his confidence early by setting him up to succeed a little bit early on to get him going and see if they can get him rolling in a way that he was never able to get going last year. No matter what happened last year, he just could not seem to turn the corner on what was going on with his it seemed late offensive the, game. Late in the season, I think when he hit like late July, August, he got kind of on a roll. But he, There was a brief period there? There was a little bit of a brief period. He never quite like fully established. Then they you know, well, acquired Walker. All- yeah, and it was all Babip stuff. It was just like he wasn't still hitting for power even when he was actually coming into like hitting for pretty good average. And there were some like, I mean, real legitimate defensive issues last year early on, which did seem to clear up as the year went on. He when he would get out there defensively seemed to be less of an issue as the season wore on, but he did struggle early on and that could have definitely had some impact with, you know, his overall mindset coming into games, you know, probably spending a I, lot of time at second base working defensively too. I do, I do wonder if this is a situation in which they're actually going to give Jonathan VR a chance to regain his 2016 form or, you know, when he first broke in with the, with the Astros as well. Or if he doesn't, and it's not so much that Sogard is a fail safe, but that they actually still think that Mauricio Dubon could step in and play second base if VR doesn't, if VR doesn't do it. And that they're they're kind of hoping to get Dubon a good solid first half in the minor leagues before they have to pull that trigger if they need to, or at least just well, I think it's just more of an option to see if like not. I don't think there's anything monetarily that would make Mauricio Dubon worth you know protecting as a super two player or anything like that. So I don't think I think it's just a matter of of giving VR a chance. I don't think it's a matter of like playing with Dubon's, you know, service time or giving him more time to offensively develop in, in triple I don't necessarily know what he can do there to, to learn more. Um, what does he have for triple a played? I mean, it's so weird though, because getting triple a played appearances, there's some value to it, especially for younger players. But it, a lot of that value gets, um, gets kind of scrubbed out by the fact that it's in Colorado Springs and it's such a weird environment. That it's funny that well, Ryan, Ryan's, Ryan's asking this question about plate appearances, and he's the one that has the computer right in front of him but, to <laughs> just look it up. Um, yes, yes. He, I mean, he has a total of... 
244 played appearances at at AAA. So, I mean, right. But the whole thing that you're talking about, the whole question is, is what does it actually do for him to get more AAA played appearances in some place like the PCL, especially in Colorado Springs, especially when there's going to be snow on the ground in Colorado Springs early in the year. Yeah, it may not really matter that much. You're right. And so I and I don't know if this is the case, but I'm saying that I think what logically makes sense to me is not saying that Sogard is your fail safe. It's Sogard has proven over his long period of time that he's a very competent uh, reserve infielder who can spend some time at shortstop if needed. He can go on some stretches where he gives you good plate appearances. We've all seen that good clubhouse guy, good defensively. But well, he's Sogard, not that you want to to play over a long period. Of time. Sogard benefited in Milwaukee from hitting like three home runs in his first two weeks. Well, and yeah, he had some real Which, bad, even, bad, bad No, he totally did too. Yeah, but he was still taking good at bats. He was. St- oh he no, still he takes good at bats. But, but I'm just like, saying, like the idea of Eric Sogard in the minds of people from Milwaukee watching the games is inflated when he basically hit the total number of home runs in a good season in a two week period for you know his entire season because I don't think he did another home run the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't remember one. Well, and if you want to talk about guys who really, really petered off after initial hot starts. Yeah. He still gave good at bats, but Sogard was not hitting the ball late in the season. He also dealt with injuries though, too. Sure. And that's always going to be a factor, but still, I mean, basically he established himself in the minds of fans in that early run. Yeah. And, in the second half of last year, he hit 204, 338, 248. So, I mean, he was still taking the good at-bats. He was still walking. So that does allow for some value. But you look at, he had a 924 OPS in the first half and a 586 OPS in the second half. I mean, it was night and day. Yeah. So anyways, I want to go back to VR real quick. Have Did people underrate the fact that he was primarily a shortstop in 2016 and got moved to second base? in 2017 did they ignore that fact as being a transition he was dealing with last season yes i mean maybe i just don't think people care Uh, do you think it was something that could have affected him even if people don't care oh well sure i mean especially at the beginning of last year he had a situation in which he also denied uh, a contract extension from the brewers in which he still thought he could basically play himself into a bigger contract. So I don't necessarily know how much pressure he's putting on himself. Uh, There is a a question for defensive deficiencies at second base early in the year and how much that caused him to press or how much it kind of gave him consternation and how much in spring training was he adjusting to second base and not necessarily getting ready with the, with the bat. I don't know. There are a lot of questions when it comes to that, but I think it could. Uh, I, I think that there are a lot of fans that don't necessarily care that last year was his first significant time at second base and are just kind of treating him as a bad defensive infielder when well, I, don't I, I'm not t- I think that's fair. Okay, not talking about fans as much, but the organization, will they take that into account at all? Oh, sure. I think so, yeah. Okay. So we need to move on. Otherwise, this is going to go on forever. So uh, we do have two spots in the infield that are probably pretty locked in compared to everything else. So we have Orlando Arcia at shortstop and Travis Shaw as starting third baseman. Shaw obviously had a career year. He was the you know team MVP and everything like that. Um, he started out hot. He tailed off at the end like a lot of guys did. Um, what are your expect- expectations for Shaw this season for you, JP? Is he going to be near the level he was at last year? Or do Does everybody have to just kind of like dial that back a little bit? I think actually the 
his average over the course of the season is probably much more likely where he's going to end up, right? I don't think he's as good as he was at the beginning of last year, nor do I think he's as bad as he was at the end of last year. And I say that because his numbers last year as a whole, taken as an aggregate, were actually very close to when he first broke into the big leagues with with uh, the Red Sox in 2015. Yeah, so he and had so 273, if- 349, 513. And I think we talked on another podcast about how 500 slugging percentage or roughly you know, what he did is not like some overperformance for him. Yeah. Well, right. And I think if you look at his aggregate numbers now, that level of performance is actually much more common than his 2016 numbers. Um, But at the same time, there were a lot of things that Travis Shaw was dealing with off the field. Um, There are a lot of things that Travis Shaw was dealing with in terms of playing every single day. Um, And, Travis Shaw was also in a team that was collectively slumping at the same time. And there are a lot of questions and people don't necessarily like this. And I don't know how quantifiable it is, but if you are on a team that cannot hit the ball for the life of you in, in what late July, early August, or throughout most of August, uh, the team was struggling offensively and everybody started pressing more. How much is this kind of a devolution cycle in which you just, get worse and worse. You press more and more. Um, a lot of psych- psychological p- pieces that were there, but there are a lot of things that you can point to in terms of why he wasn't as good last year uh, at the end of the year. But I still think over the course of the year, aggregate exactly the numbers you were pointing, I think is a reasonable expectation for what Travis Shaw can do coming into the next year. Okay. Ryan, Orlando Garcia, do you expect something? Do you expect a step forward for him this season compared to what he did last year? I mean, last year was already an offensive step forward, so I wouldn't say I'm necessarily expecting it. That said, when you have a guy who is still firmly in his early 20s and is still learning the major league game and is still you know developing that way, I definitely think there's there's potential for it to happen. I think there's room for growth. Um, but would I necessarily expect it this year? Not necessarily. I mean, I think that we're going to see a guy over time who is going to get better than this. And we had discussions about that before. I do think his offensive ceiling is better than what we've seen. So whether or not that manifests itself this year, who knows? But I think the, the overall trend line is still heading up on the offensive ability of what RC is going to offer. Now, he's still his his. Biggest asset right now is still his defense. Like, they have a great defensive shortstop right now. And not all uh, systems treat his defense the same. That's why you'll see, like, Fangraphs believes that he is, because they use UZR, and UZR does not think much of him, they treat him as a player who's basically almost replacement level, just slightly above replacement level, whereas fielding runs above average, which is the system that Baseball Prospectus uses, really does like him. So they treat him as, I think, closer to what he really is, which is a you know pretty valuable young player who's, you know, who offers a lot defensively and that helps carry a you know modest bat. JP, what kind of defensive player is Arcia? You know, we have that split, but do you have a little bit more of a definitive answer for uh, the view of Orlando Arcia defensively? I think he's stellar. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't necessarily know how to really <laughs> talk about that too much more. I mean, I have my own issues with UZR as a way to to 
to, to talk about defensive statistics, but if you look at defensive run save, he was six runs above average. If you look at fielding runs above average for what baseball prospectus uses, he was excellent. If you use the eye test, you can see that Orlando Arcia is a very good fielder. Um, yep. So no, I don't, I don't have big concerns over Orlando Arcia. Uh, and one of the biggest things that, it's important to realize too that he didn't necessarily have UZR downgrades him for his range. How does that basically. work? How, because why? they don't because he doesn't necessarily go to his right all that much because he doesn't need to. Travis Shaw is there. And Travis Shaw is a quality defensive third baseman. So he doesn't need to. It's the exact same reason why somebody like Norioka or Aoki. Whoa. Um <laughs> It was defensively UZR rated him so highly because his range was massive because he started out so deep every single time. So he looked like he covered so many things that he wasn't supposed to. Oh, okay. and, and so a lot of what Orlando Arcia does is he doesn't necessarily have to cover a lot of things to his right because Travis Shaw is a competent third baseman, uh, arguably above average third baseman. And so he shades himself much more up the middle which is why he can make those great plays up the middle he can you know do his little pirouettes and, and throw a strike to first base uh i enjoy watching that regardless of if he needs to do it or not um and so like the jeter jump it, throw for the 21st century. well no but jeter <laughs> but no jeter's jump throw like hid the fact that he was bad um defense he wasn't as good defensively as he could have been not that we have any yankees fans listening but you we know, do have I'm a few. New, we do. Jeter we do get bad. some downloads from New York. So, well, that was me. Hey, shout out that to New York. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. I downloaded and the podcast well, from New York a couple times. So, still shout oh, out a couple York. times. Well, because the weirdness. With we that. were that good that you needed to download it a couple times. Hell yeah! All right, let's, let's talk about. Let's talk about the. Uh, okay, we got to get to. Yeah, we got to get to that log jam. Otherwise, this thing's going to go on forever. Um, well, and, and we got. Well, hold on. We got to talk about Shaw. We got. No, we don't. No, we, we already talked about Shaw. Fine, fine, fine. I skipped your opinion talk. on Shaw because we don't need to go over it and, that much. And we need to talk to to some listener questions too. So <laughs> I was I was going to see if we were going to get to those, but now you've promised it. We we got to do it. So, um, anyways, yeah, uh, log jam in the outfield since that's where all the big acquisitions have been with Kristen Yelich. Uh, Lorenzo Cain was a free agent signing. We still have Ryan Braun out there. They have to make decisions on uh, Domingo Santana, who had a uh, career year last year, Keon Broxton, Brett Phillips, and Hernan Perez, who's a super utility guy. So uh, when you see all those names, uh, JP, what's your first thought? How are they going to work this thing out? Uh, I mean, when I see that many names, I see a trade. And we've been talking about that for weeks. It doesn't really make any sense to carry all of these players. Um, what that trade looks like or if it comes to pass, there are so many teams that don't want to move right now. Um, there are still so like Mike Moustakis is still out there. Jake Arrieta is still out there. Lance Lynn's still out there. Like there are a lot of really like Neil Walker. Still, like we can go down the list. There are a lot of really good players that haven't even signed free agent contracts this year. And so there are a lot of teams that are not willing to move right now on the trade front. Well, it would be pennies so, on the dollar if they trade any of those guys. Yeah, certainly. And so what do you do? And I know that we make fun of Aaron and Perez you know, in terms of being a super utility guy when his bat was, you know, pretty well below average last it, it year. It was it but, was not super. <laughs> but like defensively, his value in left field and right field, that's like where the vast majority of his value as a player came. He was very, very good defensively in, in left field and right field. And that's why his his wins above replacement is so high. 
Um, so I think that if you're looking for somebody who's a defensive replacement, obviously you're looking to somebody like Brett Phillips, but Aaron Perez is a very quality, you know, option to be able to come in late in games. And so that opens up situations where maybe Keon Broxton doesn't need to stay as a defensive replacement as a right-hander. I don't know. There's so many things, but right now, well, is Brett Phillips, Brett Phillips looks like the odd man out right now since they haven't been able to make a trade. So he doesn't get any platoon starts. If bronze at first base, he doesn't really have a defensive replacement position and he still has an option. They can send him down to triple a. Yeah, but I think as a lefty, you keep him in because Lorenzo Cain has not shown that he can stay healthy over the course of a long, like multiple seasons. Um, Who, okay, who's the best backup center fielder in that group? Or I de- guess between defen- Keon defensively, de- de- between Keon Broxton and Brett Phillips, who's the best uh, backup center fielder? Defensively, I th- Brett Phillips. Just overall, defensively, yeah, well, defensively, Brett Phillips over Keon Broxton. Yeah. Oh. Keon Broxton hasn't shown to be a great defensive center fielder. He's tremendous range. I mean, he does get two baseballs. I, I think you're underselling Brett Phillips's range as well. Phillips does have range. He the and his arm is absolutely way better. Yeah, it's an absolute weapon. Um, so you just talked yourself into what I said. So that well, I mean, I'm I, I still think it's Broxton because I think he he does have better range. I mean, Broxton. I there's some weirdness <laughs> with the numbers with. Broxton's. I don't I don't trust your opinions on this at all. <laughs> great your, your ability to scout range in the outfield i just i don't trust that i broxton gets to a lot of baseballs okay i mean just because you say it more doesn't make it like, <laughs> I mean, more believable i mean we haven't seen one thing would we you like seen. to say it in phillips another way not, phillips has we have not seen him in the big leagues in center field a ton at this point so we it's hard to have a comparison point. who has more upside between broxton and phillips do you think jp Phillips. Phillips, yeah. Yeah, it, it, when you start adding in the bat, I think it, it's not close. And Broxton's offense is such a weird amalgamation of hot and cold streaks and just, like, he does seem to have tremendous ability, but so it, does Phillips, it goes so bad at So times. does Phillips stay up no matter what? He's the four-and-a-half outfielder? He doesn't I mean, for, need to. for me. He, but they have they have the option to send him down and not – but why would you like if you're if you're talking about making sure that you have a lot of different profiles to play in different situations, you want to have a lefty that you can have coming off the bench. You don't need another right handed uh, outfielder if you already have Domingo Santana and potentially you have Aaron Perez. You don't need another right hand right handed bat like Ian Broxton. Sure. But again, one of the things we should mention here is that what happens on opening day is really it's only an opening picture. It's that what's going to play out over 162 is going to be quite a bit different than what we see on opening day. So just because Brett Phillips might go down on opening, you know, and not be there for the first couple weeks of April or something doesn't mean he won't end up being a more impactful member of the team than Brett Phillips. It just means that at that moment they were, they were doing something. Perhaps it's to, to showcase Broxton for a trade. They, they keep him around. When for are the they trading Broxton? When are you seeing this trade happen? I think when they, would they, I think they hope have time to. to showcase him as a fifth outfielder. I mean, yeah. they can get him some time. They can get him. Where in this outfield is he going to get time? Depends on what injury situations happen with Vaughn, I mean, with Kane, what, sure. what they end up doing yeah. with Santana. Yes. I mean, if Domingo Santana gets traded, then all of a sudden this, it, the situation vastly changes because. Right. And we've discussed that. And right. then King but the Santana absolutely has a place in the outfield if Domingo Santana's not here. 
But that's not the point. Right. So I'm saying that things can change quite a bit over the course of, and I still think Domingo Santana is more likely than not to be traded by opening day, just because it's so hard to see how that would work without it. But didn't we think if Santana's traded, Braun doesn't platoon at first base, so Aguilar makes the team? Therefore, that that was then Phillips was the guy because you had a, a left you had that left handed flexibility with him. It you, they could plus play out ha- that way. Plus, you have the d- defensive replacement late for Braun. Right, it, it easily could play out. Like that way. it seems like if Domingo Santana is traded, Brett Phillips is your guy. Brett Phillips is the fourth outfielder. Brett Phillips, and, yeah. If Domingo Santana's traded, then Phillips becomes well. I mean, Broxton also then gives them coverage on that especially well, if Braun is you know especially what if they're if not you have yes Aguilar if you have if all is of, going over to first base if much. you have all of the outfielders yes you have more coverage but you cannot keep all the outfielders right somebody is going to go and I still think beyond all this I still think it's most likely to be Santana I think they will get that done before opening day you know what until every free agent is off the board it's really hard to it see is. Domingo Santana getting traded well, it's really hard to see anything happening. It's just everything is so slow right now. It's just, it, it it's you very, know, it, it's funny. You know, Kane got signed. Maybe that was going to start things moving. Was, then Darvish got signed. Maybe that's going to start things moving. And it just, it just hasn't well, happened. Did you see the point, too, that uh, Justin Upton said like he had 10 teams call and offer him one year deals? I was just listening to that discussion on the way over here. <laughs> which is 10 different te- he said at least 10 different teams that he was notified gave him one year deals justin upton's been a monster right. for years yeah he's he's been a very underrated player people think of him as disappointing because he hasn't quite been what you hope of from a number one overall pick and a number one prospect of the game but he's had a tremendous career hall of very good for sure okay so again there's a lot of balls in the air we'll wait and see if domingo santana gets moved but um well, let's, As, uh, okay. I was yeah. going to say, can we, can we, now that we're talking about the outfield, can we talk about what uh, Mitch Reichert was asking about in terms of where you, I really, I really appreciate that you're doing my job because this is what I was transitioning <laughs> to. Thanks for that. Doing, doing what I can after a week off. <laughs> Somebody's a little trigger happy right now. So uh, yes, Mitch Reichert asks, he's one of her Patreon supporters. One of our Patreon questions. Uh, Kristen Yellick is a gold glove left fielder and a decent to average right fielder. Uh, Ryan Braun is an average to slightly above average left fielder and a below average right fielder defensively. Assuming this is all correct. Which de- defensive alignment is better? A good glove in left and not so good in right or solid in both spots? What's a better alignment? Do we put... Because Yelich does not have a strong arm. So Yelich in right field is not going to be the kind of guy that's throwing, you know, rifling stuff to third base. We're not going to see a Brett Phillips out there. No. So do we want to see kind of like as balanced as possible in the corners, or do you want to play with, you know, making sure you have somebody that's well above average, even if it means kind of downgrading in another spot? Yeah, I feel like I, I that's the way I lean with it. Um, Yelich, Which way? Yelich in left, because oh. Yelich is legitimately really, really good. And there's been some, I mean, more balls get hit to left field. than Has right there field. been any talk of putting Yelich in right field? I think that the team actually shot that down pretty early that they said they would be putting Yelich in right field um, and Braun would be sticking in left. Yeah, if anything, Yelich might see some center field in the event that Kane gets hurt. 
Like that that's more of a possibility than seeing him go to Yelich in center is more likely than Yelich in right, is what I'm saying. Yes, because he was playing center primarily in no, I'm uh, saying Miami that last I, year. I say I think the team has already said that they are looking at playing Yelich in right field. Oh, they have left field. So I misread something that McAlvey said that they are going to play Christian Yelich in right field this spring, in addition to left and center. But he will primarily still play a left field. Uh, and Ryan Braun is still supposed to be left field and first base. So that actually starts to make us wonder if maybe Domingo Santana is for sure going to be sticking in right field and that Braun might be actually spending a little bit more time in first base at first base than maybe we've been seeing. It won't be just a strictly platoon reasoning for but, him I mean, we moving to this. first. So, so Hodricourt says this is back on, on February 20th, but it says council says Braun will only play left field and first base. He says Yellick will primarily play left field during the season, but will also get some action in right field in spring training. Boy, that's. Does this introduce the possibility that they might be looking to move on from Ryan Braun period? No. <laughs> Any well, other I mean, questions? <laughs> well, <laughs> try again. I mean, that's really because they're saying that Braun's, if Braun doesn't take to first base and it's not working there and they're primarily going to play Yelich in left field, then they'll probably readjust where they play Yelich. So they'll, you, okay. So they'll move Yelich over. Wait, okay. are, I think right. Are you I saying that what happens on opening day isn't necessarily what's going to happen for the next 162 games? I've heard that somewhere. I'm not necessarily sure where. I'm trying to figure out, like, is... We'll see. I think I can, I think I can right smell now, I think it. You're thinking so think, hard, like the wheels are grinding. I think if, I think if anything, what it says is that the team thinks that Ryan Braun's going to be able to function properly at first base. So then we're looking at him potentially getting a lot more action over there than. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like it, that, that signals that he's either going to get more time at first base or Yelich is actually going to be playing more in right field than they're actually suggesting at the moment. Right and center. I think what's yeah. clear yeah, is yeah, that yeah. we have no idea how they're going to manage this outfield log jam. I mean, right we now. have no idea about it, a lot of things, but that doesn't stop us talking about but, it. But there isn't the ability to just look at this and say, like, oh, I have kind of a, a handle oh. on what they're going to do. And there's no way to kind of get that out of just watching or listening to the spring training games. No, but there's especially just, when it's split squad. There's too many bodies for <laughs> right. too few positions, and that hasn't changed. And until it does, this is a lot of guesswork. Like, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, and we have other stuff coming up later in the month, so that's why we had to start doing our previews now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this gets sorted out. It's, I mean, Craig Council has done a very good job of shuffling bodies and keeping... I think the other thing is that, you know, clearly the idea that they have to have a starting nine every single day and everybody's in the same position is something that's completely out the window. They don't have a problem moving guys around based on matchups and, and yeah, basically how to maximize true, their, their but- talent. But I do think that the, the elephant in the room is the fact that they want to carry, I think, 13 pitchers. Mm-hmm. And then you're still now getting to a, to a place in which then your your bench does not have room for Brett Phillips, Keon Broxton, Aaron Perez, Eric Sogard, uh, and like 
uh, vote and then uh, Jesus Aguilar. It just doesn't have room for all of that, which means then that guys are going to fall out. Maybe it does mean that one of the, the outfielders is, is going back to triple a. I think that's a waste, but maybe that does happen. Uh, well, and Domingo Santana would be technically on the bench too. So there's just, there are too many. And that's why, by the way, also when everybody says go sign Neil Walker, great. Now you're throwing another person in that we don't have room <laughs> for, for a roster spot. Yeah. Like there are too many bodies and something needs to be sorted. And if it just ends up that a bunch of people are DFA'd or they're putting Brett Phillips back in, in, in AAA, it just feels, for a lack of a better term, it feels like they're not maximizing what they they should be able to do. It is funny, though. You know, we don't want to see guys DFA'd, but we also went through it earlier. You didn't think Bandy necessarily would be picked up. Aguilar might find somebody to take him, but nobody's like, oh, Jesus Aguilar has many suitors and will definitely right. get picked up right no, away. No, but if you are Jesus Aguilar and you know that Ryan Braun, you got DFA because Ryan Braun can competently play first base, you don't have playing time. You don't have a path, to, a path to playing time unless Ryan Braun gets hurt and then you're being brought up to be a platoon guy until Ryan Braun's healthy again. Yeah. Well, and Ryan Braun getting hurt is more of a question of when rather you know, than if we have gone through it before though and braun misses time kane has missed plenty of time and that's i the mean thing. the idea of innings I mean, I, they do seem to be available to see if somebody gets hurt in spring training right. too and but they're then, like but then what right. Jesus aguilar is is oh no i'm i'm that's under the assumption that aguilar is still the odd man out but right. at least with the the phillips santana you know kane yelich braun that whole issue yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. With, it, it wouldn't take much for injuries to then open it up, and then you kind of have yourself covered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so <laughs> – are just too many bodies, and they have to sort that out. Though, yes, and weirdly, an injury early on, like an injury in spring training, would give them at least the ability to hold on to some of these guys and let it play out can, a little bit further into the season to decide. You are can, the worst I, just I, hoping I, that somebody was, gets hurt. I was going to say, I'd like to remove, like, distance myself from that kind of talk. <laughs> I'm not talking about serious injury. I'm talking about you know, somebody pulls a hammy. I mean, like, it happens. Oh, yeah, hamstrings. Yeah, they're, they're not a big deal. But don't, but don't, don't worry. Linger. <laughs> but don't worry. This whole market efficiency and slowing down free agency through rationality doesn't necessarily stem from fan <laughs> from from fans like perceptions of how teams should maximize their resources at all. I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. I'm saying it could be a, a weirdly. Uh, is there anyone thing. else you'd like to wish ill upon before we wrap up here? <laughs> yes, there is someone. <laughs> is it, is he sitting across the table from you right now? Cause that was quite the look I just got. So no, I would, I would say that I think one of the biggest things that we've been talking about is the fact that if you can amass enough depth, then you can actually use your resources to go and buy other players. And we saw that with Christian Yelich and we were celebrating that. But now you're also getting to a spot in which you thought you could amass depth and then flip it to teams that don't want to buy. Right, because um, there are just so many teams that aren't really competitive right now. So there's not well, a full market but, of buyers. But the, but the thing is, there's no reason why somebody who's not competitive shouldn't want to go and get somebody like Jesus Aguilar or Domingo Santana. You've got, they're cheap. You have plenty of time to keep them on the roster. They're plenty productive. They could turn into trade assets down the road. There's no reason why a team like, I don't know, the Royals shouldn't want to go and get Jesus Aguilar. There's yeah. no reason. No, you're right. There, there isn't a reason. And it's bizarre that it's not happening. And and it that can't be a collusion reason either because you're not paying anyone. So I have no right, idea yeah. why no one wants to actually go. Nobody wants to 
buy or trade anything. It's like everybody and, is waiting for their best possible deal to come along. Like they're they're everybody's hoping that they they thread the needle and get their their best five percent you know solution or whatever. And if you wanted to do that, it was two percent. Actually, seven percent <laughs> solution. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. The, two, the, the extra 2%. Extra two, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, the catch Carey. up. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Joni okay. Carey book about the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, I, I read it. I this, think I loaned it to you. This is um, a baseball podcast. Yes. Okay. So anyway, but if I think all these teams are kind of sitting there going, we want like our best possible outcome to come to fruition. And because so many guys are still out there available in free agency and because so many guys you know, there's, there's still so many possible trades that could happen. I think teams are just kind of saying, well, I'll just keep waiting and they keep waiting and they keep waiting because there's nothing forcing the action. And we keep waiting. We talked about this. We keep waiting for, well, maybe the Kane thing forces the action. Maybe this forces the action. You Darvish. I thought you Darvish signing was going to force the action on the other three big time starting pitchers. That didn't happen either. So what the hell? Who knows? Yeah, all those guys are just going to be working out in Florida till July. So Apparently, yeah. Okay, anyways, we got to wrap it up for this week. So that's going to do it for this week's show. JP, you want to do the uh, Patreon thanks? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, again, huge shout out to everybody, but specifically this week, Adam Post, Sean Andrews, who's always active on Twitter. So hello to you. And Jeremy, Jeremy Nachman. I, I assume it's Nachman and not Nachman. But... Uh, thanks again for everybody who who subscribes. Thanks everybody who participates throughout the entire Patreon process. And Ryan and I are looking forward to recording and talking some minor league stuff uh, tomorrow or yeah. Monday. Send questions. To, yeah, it'll get to your ears uh, by middle of the week. So you can be prepared for probably some speculation on where guys are going to start at the beginning of the year. What we can kind of expect for some minor league guys. Uh, but it'll be a good opportunity for us to, to wade through your questions. So make sure you send them in. Yeah, and you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, which, like we said, is going to be recorded real soon. And then, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com, or you can uh, submit questions through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and we're in the Google Play Store. You can leave reviews, help people find the podcast. Thanks for listening, and look for us again on Milwaukee's Tailgate.